Hello, everybody. Today we are doing an artist hangout. Sit back, relax, chill, and let's just chat about anything that comes up. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at ArtProf, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. Normally, Thursday is not a day that we typically stream, but I thought with the fall raffle happening, we only have two hours left for this fundraiser. I thought I would hang out with all of you. Plus, it's such an easy stream. I didn't have to make a slideshow. I didn't have to brainstorm. I didn't have to plan a staff meeting so we could brainstorm what we're going to talk about. Instead, we're just going to chat about whatever you all want to chat about. You can ask me anything in the chat if you want to tell us about what you have learned through ArtProf, I would love to hear it because we just have comments pouring in left and right, people telling us how much our content has affected them and how the accessibility of our content has been so important because our content is 100% free. Thing is, it's not free for us. <laughs> That's the issue here. And that's why we need your help because our raffle ends tonight in two hours. I'm going to be here <laughs> when it ends. And some of you might be here as well. And I urge you to pledge your support any amount you possibly can contribute because when you support us, you're helping an artist who can't afford an art class. I'm going to guess there are a lot of you in the chat right now who can't afford an art class. And so if we wanna keep this up and running, we need resources. Because as much as I like to just talk about art education and nerdy art supplies, I could talk about that all day, that is not a problem. There is a reality to what we do, which is that it's not free. The expenses are ongoing. People might think, oh, you got the equipment, you're fine. You don't have to buy it again. I'm like, no, I do because I was cheap and I bought not so great mics. I burned through two of them. And it was only because of a very generous donor that I bought a real mic, like one that's actually professional quality. That's not gonna die on me in about a year. Michael says, I ultimately found a community around art with ArtProf. I'm so glad to hear that, Michael, because as much as our work is very much about sharing skills and providing tips and advice, ultimately the community is ArtProf. That is it. That is the most valuable thing because you can learn all the skills, you can memorize all of the anatomical terms of the human figure, but if you're doing it by yourself, it's really not fun. And it's also not a good learning experience. I just have always felt that learning should be a group effort. Tell me in the chat, who here has connected with somebody through ArtProf, could even be one of us, that you feel you have learned from? Not the videos, but maybe somebody in the Discord, maybe somebody in the premium track who influenced you somehow. Because sure, we're here, 
but we're not everything. And one thing I used to say to a lot of my RISD students was, listen, yeah, you're going to learn from me, but actually a lot of you are going to learn more from each other than you're going to learn from the teacher. And that to me is the best case scenario where there's this momentum that happens with students bouncing off of each other, egging each other on. That is extremely valuable. And I do think it's hard to replicate online. I think for some platforms, either it's not important to them, or maybe they don't realize or don't have the experience of how important it is, or it's just sometimes too much effort. Because <laughs> it is, it's a lot of effort to put all of this stuff together. By the way, who here is a lurker? I would love the lurkers to say hello. You don't have to say more than that. But I just like seeing new names. Like Curfew says, love Art Prof. I remember watching Art Prof when I was in an AP art class and I got a five on my AP portfolio. That's phenomenal. Tell me in the chat, who here has had an experience where they had a very concrete, visible result from their experience here? Because I think it was Emmy who told me in a stream that she got a commission. And she's convinced it's because of some of the content that she used here at our site. <laughs> Lisa says, my husband fully embraces my art prof time. He happily filled up the PayPal. <laughs> I just love it when we get family members involved. That's just the best thing because ultimately that's really what so much of this is about. It comes down to our relationships. How do we relate to each other? And I do think for a lot of people, it's easier to relate when you have something to do together. I mean, actually, that's one of the reasons why my mother-in-law and I connected is we just were in the kitchen doing stuff and it sort of takes off the pressure. You know, when you go to these socializing events and you're just meandering and <laughs> really awkward. I hate those types of interactions. It's just the worst. But when you're doing something with your hands, it's, it's really a nice thing. Oh, I'm so glad, Lisa, you said hello. Been lurking a bit. I've been doing your gesture drawing exercises and my drawing has improved greatly. I love that so much because you know what I've learned? I started our prof in 2014. Oh, was a long time ago. <laughs> it's like seven or eight years ago. I lost count. And tell me if you've had this experience where maybe you're working on something and you just think, oh, I worked hard on this, but it didn't work out. What a waste of time. In fact, somebody in the Patreon voice session today said that they were very frustrated because they had just carved out this period of time when they could finally sit down and make their artwork, but then they were very frustrated because they felt like the work they did during that time wasn't very good. And oh my gosh, I lost such valuable time in the studio. And I just think that even those things that you do that you think don't matter, they do. They really do. So for example, those time drawing videos that I put together, I confess they're, they're not really that fun. I mean, they're not difficult. It's just something that takes time. And so they're not fun for me to put together. But the thing is then when people tell me, oh my gosh, 
that video got me to start drawing because having a book and organizing stills on my computer was such a hassle and you just made it that much easier for me to do it. I'm like, hey, if I'm the difference between whether you draw or not, that's kind of awesome. I like being that little difference, that little nudge that some of us need <laughs> to keep going. Pat says, always been a lurker when it comes to online communities, ArtProf has presented a great space where I'm happy to connect. Well, I consider that high praise because I do know that for a lot of people, it's intimidating to enter an online space when you don't know anybody and you're worried you're going to say the wrong thing or post in the wrong place. And you'll do that in our Discord. That's fine. Happens all the time. But we're there to help you, to direct you. So if anybody here has been wavering about, oh, should I join the Discord? You should. Because <laughs> it's like a big party in there. Oh my God. It's so much fun. Like I had no idea that an online community could be that much fun. I just love the conversations. It's super cool. This is great. I love hearing from Paula. I've become more willing to experiment because of art prof. And experimenting is hard. I think that a lot of people, we like to do what we're good at. Of course, <laughs> it feels good to do what we're good at. But we know that there's a limit. If you just keep doing what you're already good at, you're not really going to develop very much as an artist. And that's a leap of faith. I think most of us want to make good artwork, right? I mean, I think that's the point. And the fear of, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. The vagueness of the process, doubting every minute, it's hard. So I'm really glad that we pushed you to do that. Sonnet, you went back in time with us when we were just portfolio critiques. Oh my gosh. Has anybody here gone back and watched an old video? Oh, just like so cringy. Oh my gosh. People were telling us, Clara, it doesn't even sound like you. It's like a different voice. And it was, it really was a different person back then. But if you haven't, it's, it's good for a good laugh. <laughs> I know some people are like, oh, remember baby Alex when he didn't have facial hair? <laughs> so I think it's good for a chuckle. Lydia says, reach my goal of filling an entire sketchbook with help from our prof. Clara and Deepti taught me that it's absolutely fine to just make messy marks and have fun in my sketchbook. Yeah, I, I mean, look at, look at, sorry, this way. Look at that. I mean, my desk is a disaster all the time. And I think we hold ourselves back when we have this totally unrealistic expectation that we're going to make great work all the time because we're just not. That's not the way it works. Despite what social media has told you, being an artist is messy and ugly and frustrating and infuriating, but it should be. It should not be easy. So Kira's asking, how do I keep up with practicing and making my art portfolio and not getting burned out? I think what I would recommend, Kira, is try to not work on one piece at a time. I think that that is difficult because then you put all your eggs in one basket and you think, oh, I'm working on this one piece. It's got to be good. I oftentimes am working on three or four pieces at the same time. 
So that if I'm doing a drawing and it's driving me up the wall, which it will at some point, that's pretty much guaranteed. I can just go to another piece and take a little break from the other one and then come back to it. And so it's almost this ping pong effect that happens between the pieces. So if you keep the process fresh all the time, you're not feeling like, oh gosh, I'm just totally laboring over this one drawing for so long. I think that's when people get really stuck. I think it's just so frustrating. So if you keep things fresh and you keep them new, that's a pretty big difference, I would say. Lydia, thank you so much for the super sticker. And remember everybody, if you give a super chat during the stream, that does enter you automatically into the raffle. So you can either pledge on Patreon, you can do a one-time donation, or you can do a super chat or super sticker here. You can also enter for free. If you wanna enter for free, just comment on this video and tell us what you learned at ArtProf because I never get sick of it. I never get tired of hearing what people are learning. I know I'm a big teacher dork. <laughs> I'm like totally into all the pedagogical things. <laughs> Thank you so much, Truck, sorry, Truck Ha. Time drawing videos and Flickr albums have been invaluable for me to be able to draw a bit during lunch break instead of scroll social media. See, that's great that you chose to draw instead of what a lot of us are doing, which is <laughs> scrolling on your phone aimlessly. But it's like a lot of us don't really need that time as much as we think we do. Why not just put that phone aside and sketch? And again, that's the type of task putting together the Flickr albums. Again, it's tedious work. I mean, I'm just sitting there editing photos and I'm uploading things and I'm renaming files. I mean, I've spent like whole afternoons just renaming files. Oh my God, it's so boring. <laughs> but when I read a comment like that, I go, you know, it's worth it. It's worth that tedious task because I know somebody out there is benefiting from it. So anytime you use one of our resources, tell me that it's helped you because, you know, I'm, sometimes I work on stuff and I'm like, is anybody going to need this? <laughs> and then I don't really know until somebody actually tells me, yes, that was actually really valuable. Oh, I love this, Jazz W. I feel like a mad scientist when it comes to art. <laughs> That's terrific. Jess is asking, I'm almost 50, about to apply for graduate school. Am I too old? Nope. The thing about being an artist is that there's no physical limitations. I mean, if you're a professional baseball player, I mean, aren't you done by the time you're 40 just because your body can't handle it? I know a lot of people that went back for a degree in their 50s. In fact, my mother-in-law did that. Tell me in the chat, does anybody here know somebody who was older, like 40, 50, who went back to graduate school? I think it's a lot more common than you think. In fact, I talked to somebody today in the Patreon voice channel. They had the exact same concern. They were like, oh, well, I want to get an MFA, but I'm worried that I'm too old. And I'm like, it may feel that way, but actually... I just think people only get more interesting when they get older. And probably you can help a lot of the younger people in that program. So I'm going to guess as somebody who's older that you probably have so much to offer the younger people. <laughs> Pat says I'm drawing Wolverine right now. I chalk that up to our problem. <laughs> well, Kat is 
very familiar with Benedict Cumberbatch now. She really knows his name. And I just, I feel I did a very good job of educating her. <laughs> so Jin Lee is asking, can you still just snail mail cash? You can. We do have a snail mail address. It is on the raffle page. And the link for that is in the YouTube video description below. Panda Puffkin says, after some critique, I got my portraits in Art Prof. I made a piece where I tried to take on board that advice. It ended up being my first paid work. See, that's a really big deal because I think that there's a lot of people who make art. It's fine if you never want to do it paid. I mean, do it for the reasons that you're doing it. But making that leap to that first commission, that first sale, it's really an amazing feeling. I mean, it's almost to the point where people don't feel that they deserve it. Like they say, well, why would anybody want to buy my stuff? And I'm like, you've no idea why people buy stuff. <laughs> They'll buy whatever. I mean, it's people were buying pet rocks. Okay. Like you could get them to buy anything, but I, I just love hearing that because that is something that is different in your life because we gave you the support that you needed. And that's really what all artists need, we need support. We need somebody to recognize that we're here. And you know what's been really cool? Some of the moderators were telling me this week that they've been noticing that in the Discord, there's a lot of people who were really active in the Discord, but then stuff came up or they had a family thing or whatever situation, and they weren't in the Discord for a little while. But they've been noticing that all the people are coming back saying, oh, I was away for a little bit, but I'm back and I want to do this. I want to get back into my artwork and everything. I'm like, that's great. We're here. <laughs> we'll always be here. I mean, as long as I'm able, we'll be here waiting for you. And I like being that little rock for people because there's so few things in the world that you can rely on that are positive. And I just like being that little piece of consistency for people. Jazz says, my neighbor had a painting critiqued by you many, many years ago. She told me to watch. This is how I started watching. Oh, that's so cool. You know what's funny is you would think with a lot of these names that I critique all these artworks and everything, I would forget them all. I, I don't. And actually, that's sort of the way I feel about my RISD students is that I don't always remember the name because there's just so many, but I usually remember the artwork. I don't know. It's like the artwork is easier to remember than the name somehow. It's really funny. Jane says, I love seeing your workspace. Love seeing how messy real artists can get like the rest of us. Oh my gosh. I saw a TikTok video and it was an artist who was wearing, I mean, it looked like a prom dress. It was like really pretty frosty pink dress. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine if you want to wear that. But I was like, I, I don't think most of us dress that way <laughs> because we know that that dress would last about five seconds in the studio. Glenna says, thank you so much. It feels so welcoming. Art Prof makes me feel okay with being imperfect and my skills improve from making these imperfect works and I'm much happier too. Yeah, I mean, Jordan and I were talking about how it's such a difference when you're having fun. And I confess, when I was in that ivory tower, I just thought the learning was better when we were very serious and focused and just the content alone 
and I've totally done a 360, I've completely changed my mind. My thought now is if it remember, if it makes it easier for you to remember, great. I, who cares how you remember it, right? I mean, if thinking about Benedict's cheekbones makes you remember about the zygomatic arch and the intersection of that with the mandible in the ear as a landmark, hey, it works. <laughs> Why does it have to be so dry to be legitimate? For some reason, I think that's an academia thing. It's like, if you're having fun, somehow it's like beneath people. If you're having fun or if you're laughing, it's somehow not legit. And I totally disagree. I think that you need to have fun for things to really sink in. Oh, this is great. Blue Run says, I think you need to take the work seriously, but never take yourself seriously. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people in the art world who could take that advice, but none of them are watching, so screw that. Plus, I'm not academia, and I'm too old for all this crap. <laughs> like, I just am done with all that stuff. Oh, this is a nice point from Sonnet, who says, I loved having class with people older than me. Their experiences are so rich. Yes, Alexa, guinea pigs. Actually, oh my gosh, this is going to be a problem. My husband's building, we're calling it the guinea pig apartment <laughs> because our three guinea pigs, I mean, we had this really big cage. It was great. They had a lot of space, but it was a little flimsy. And so my husband now, because he has space in our garage, he's building like a bona fide guinea pig apartment. So it has like multiple floors. It has like things you can slide in and out. I mean, he's going so over the top about it. But we told our kids, we're like, yeah, once we have the guinea pig apartment, we'll let you guys get another guinea pig or two. And of course my kids are like, guinea pig babies! I'm like, no, no, I do not need 18 guinea pig babies. I mean, I'm sure they're pretty cute, but yeah. <laughs> Bicycle lady, thank you so much for your support. And I have been very inspired the way people are coming through with the donations because I said this in an Instagram video and Life is stressful. There, there's all kinds of things that I think people worry about. Everybody has a different situation. I feel pretty privileged that there's a lot of things I don't have to worry about that a lot of people in the world do. But the the one stress I, I really, truly do have is the budget at our prof. It stresses me out like crazy. And the thing is, it's not that that takes up time necessarily, but it does take up headspace. And I think sometimes the headspace is more valuable than the time. I don't know. Tell me if you agree with that. Like I do this a lot where physically I'm very tired and I totally want to go to bed, but sometimes I don't go to bed. It's a bad idea. <laughs> I shouldn't do that, but I don't go to bed. I stay up longer, even though I'm really tired because I need the space in my head to just clear at the end of the day. Like, I don't want to go to bed with my head racing. And so I need that calm down time. And the art prof budget is a place where I can't do that. I just, I'm always just hyper aware of, are we going to make it? Are we, uh, and it's like, it fluctuates so much. I think that's what stresses me out about it is that it's not a sure thing. And I think a lot of people have been very supportive about us. And that's wonderful, but it doesn't pay the bills. So that, that's the issue. And I have been working really hard 
over the past year to try to get sponsors. I'm sure a lot of you have seen that there are some ads and product placement and a lot of our videos and everything, but it's like the sponsors are so inconsistent and so unreliable that I just don't think I can do it. And it's like, you're just chasing after people left and right. A lot of the people are just super conservative and don't think YouTube is worth it. I'm like, are you crazy? Like wake up and smell the coffee. I mean, this is where it's at. Survive says, I'm a new subscriber. Well, welcome. I'm so happy when new people introduce themselves. It's really a lovely thing. Because isn't that just one of the coolest parts of life is just meeting new people and learning new things from them? I learned about Portuguese candy <laughs> because we had an art dare that was to draw texture cubes. And there was somebody from Portugal who did a drawing of Portuguese candy. I love that. I love that I learned about that through the art dare. Thank you, RB Dick, for the super sticker. And Seven Angelic says, started watching Art Prof because they were using products I wanted to snoop on. And then I just fell into how awesome this place is. Yes, we have been um, accused of being major art supply enablers. I mean, I'm just the worst about it because I just, I want to get my hands on everything. And actually I talked to a company that said that they actually had trouble with getting people to try their product. I was like, are you crazy? Like if somebody's going to give me something, I'm going to try it. I just would never write off something just because it's new. I would definitely try it and then decide if I thought it was worthy or not. But this company said that people were just super closed-minded and did not want to do it. I don't know, maybe if you want things to be very predictable and you want a very particular outcome, I can see that, but it, it's just not as fun. It's just so much more fun to play with stuff and have these live streams, which for me are just little sandboxes for us to play in. And I like them because the stream does end at some point. And then I can just cut off and say, okay, that was my playtime. I'm gonna go do something else. So Survive says, new subscriber presently lurking. I retired from teaching last year after teaching various art disciplines for the last 23 years. Great community here. Lurking is learning for now. Well, that's what I like about online teaching is people can choose what degree of visibility they want to have. And actually, I had a lot of students when we pivoted to teaching online, some of them said that they preferred some of the discussions online because they just felt so pressured in a classroom where like you can see everybody and just speaking out loud in front of a classroom was just so stressful for a lot of them. And so there are definitely a lot of advantages to that that I think a lot of people just weren't even aware of until the pandemic hit and we had to move online. Yeah, Sonnet says, I do the same, stay up to relax once the baby goes to bed. It's my only downtime, even though I'm exhausted. Yeah, because the headspace is in some ways more valuable. Because yeah, it's nice to have energy. I mean, of course you need that. But I feel like with energy, it's just very obvious what you need to do. It's like, yeah, get to sleep more. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, get actually, it's pretty obvious what's going on. But headspace, that's harder to organize. And I think one of the things I've struggled with at Art Prof, especially, there's just so many pieces. And oftentimes I just feel like my brain is just chopped up 
diced into all these little pieces. And it's hard to have any continuity for that reason. I'm spread very thin. I just do so many things that it's hard for me to focus sometimes. And so that's why I really want to be able to hire our staff more. I want to make it so they can do more so I don't go insane because I don't think I can keep this up forever. And we just need to push it in a direction where I have more assistance because some days are rough. <laughs> like you just, I don't know. I mean, I don't mind rote tasks. That's fine. I don't mind working hard. That's not a problem. In fact, I love working hard. I think it's just the stuff that is tedious. It's like the sponsor that makes me jump through 10,000 hoops, demands all these changes, and then never renews. It's stuff like that that just really gets me down. Yeah, like Lydia says, having stress and anxiety that is constantly sitting in our brains is hugely draining on our minds and bodies. And it affects our programming because so often I'll see somebody, oh my God, I really want to bring them on for a stream because they're a guest artist. But then the first thing I have to think of is, can we afford to pay them? And I don't like asking artists to work for free. Like a lot of people say, well, can't you? I'm like, no, I, I don't want to do that. I mean, if they came to me and offered it, maybe I would think about it, but I want to compensate people well for their time and their skills. But consequently, that means we can't get a lot of guest artists. And so that's where it frustrates me because there's so many like cool things we really want to do. But it's always like, no, we can't afford that. No, that's too expensive. No, that's going to cost a fortune. Oh, we can't invest. It's just like, oh my God. It's like all these walls just start shooting up all over the place. And I've got a lot up here. <laughs> There's a lot in my head that I really want to put down for all of you, but some stuff is just really slow. Charismatic says, my first video here was hearing you guys talk about why gouache is great. Now I'm here. I love gouache. Just started with acrylic. I'm a lot more experimental now because of art prof. Oh, that is great because you know what? Gouache isn't really my cup of tea. <laughs> I mean, Alex is the resident gouache master. But I will say one of the funnest parts for me about art prof is that I get to be the student. It's so fun. You know what I like about being a student? You have no expectations. You're like, okay, I know I suck at this. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> and sometimes I really love being a student because it's like you just don't have any responsibilities or expectations. Like nobody expects you to be good at it. Like if you're leaning a tutorial, yeah, you probably should sort of know what you're doing. But I just... I loved it when, well, I don't know if I loved it, but when Jordan was teaching me Procreate, I was like, yes, I'm a student. I can just absorb like a sponge and not worry if I look like a pro. Lauren says, headspace is super important. It causes mental exhaustion if it lingers. I know I'm feeling constant stress with college app deadlines. Oh, Lauren, I am so sorry that college admissions has become the frenzy that it is. I, I really don't think this is me being an old fart. I really don't remember it being the way it is now. Lauren, you should look up. There's a wonderful book. I'm going to type his name into the chat, Frank Bruni. And he wrote a book about the college admissions process. It's called something like who you are is not where you go. Just look up Frank Bruni. You'll find it. And it's a wonderful book because it talks about how problematic the admissions 
procedure is, and that actually a lot of people get put in bad situations. They get misplaced or sometimes they're a tiny fish in a big ocean and they don't thrive for that reason. So look at that because it has a really good bigger picture, which I know is really hard to look at because probably you're just super immersed in everything right now. But just know that the way it is, it's not good. I, I don't like the way the college admissions thing is set up in the U.S. right now. It's really bad. R.B. Dick says, Clara, I thank you so much for giving me and other artists for bringing us all together. Actually, I'm very curious. Tell me in the chat, before you started hanging out with us, <laughs> were there any other online art communities that you were a part of? What was your experience like? And tell me if there's anything about us that was different, because I'm always looking for feedback. I mean, I try my best to do the best content that I can possibly produce, but inevitably there's tweaks, there's things I think I can change. I mean, in the Discord, we're constantly adding stuff and tweaking and revising. And so I'm just always doing that. I've always thought about ArtProf as just like a big work in progress. It never is finished. There's no chance that's ever gonna be the case. But that is, I think, very exciting as a creative project that it's not static. It's always evolving, but that's hard. I mean, it takes a lot of headspace to be able to do that. And I'm really lucky that I have a staff that goes along with it or tells me I'm nuts. I mean, they do that too, for sure. Lexa says, even with like-minded souls in an art class, it can be intimidating. Whereas online, for some reason, I feel less pressure to be perfect or able to articulate my ideas using, quote, correct vocab. Lexa, I'm here to give you permission to just use the words you have. I don't know. I think people that use those fancy words are such jerks. Like, one of the phrases that I just hated when I was at RISD, what the heck is critical making? What is that? It's critical and you're making it, but is the making of the critical? Like, I, I just hate those, like, buzzword I, it's not helpful to anybody in a critique situation. So yeah, for, forget about all those fancy words. It's really not helpful at all. Wow, we have two super stickers. We got the first one from Starving Artists. Love the real art school vibe of Art Prof. Thank you for all that you do. And also from Michael, a super sticker. And Maya Hika is saying there were online communities, but it felt overwhelming to see everyone who was already really good and only did realistic work perfectly. But in art prof, everything is experimental, which is great. I love that because you know what, Maya Hika, I've been telling people in Discord, listen, I know the first impulse when you enter an online space is, oh, I only want to show my best work. And anything that doesn't look good is not worth posting. And there's also oftentimes a very competitive vibe to all of that. But I've been telling people as much as I can in the Discord is, listen, post your crappy work. Post the bad sketch. Post the version of your painting that drove you up the wall that you don't like and tell us that. Because you know something? The more people 
who post the work that they're not super excited about in the Discord, the more it represents what the artistic process really is, which is that a lot of it makes you want to pull your hair out. And there's a lot of bad artwork <laughs> that has to happen if you ever want to make something good. So for people who are in the Discord, go post your bad stuff and tell us, tell us, oh my gosh, the sketch was just so hard for me. Because the more that people say that out loud, I think it does a couple things. I think it validates that process for people. And when you see somebody else post something that they're frustrated with, you realize it's okay to be frustrated. So if you're in the Discord, and if you're not, shame on you. You should be in there. <laughs> it's really fun. Show us stuff that's not good. Because I know on Instagram, it's a very different audience. And there are different expectations on Instagram. But what I like about the Discord is that it's an online forum, but it definitely feels more private. It doesn't feel like you're showcasing yourself the way Instagram and other platforms are oftentimes like. Revi says, Art Prof is the first YouTube channel I engage with beyond viewing. I think you guys just create space for everyone to ask questions and learn. Well, that's the thing is teaching is not a one-way street. You can't just stuff stuff down people's throats. I mean, I guess you can, but it's not very fun. It's not fun for the people watching. And on our end, it's boring. I mean, what is teaching if you don't have interaction? Which is why I think a lot of these online courses were like, okay, you pay this fee, you have access to the class. It's like, yeah, that's nice to have access to the content. But if you're not having any interaction directly with the instructor and getting feedback, it's not really a class as much as it is just giving you information, which is valuable. And maybe some people don't want that interaction, but I just think that's so vital to the learning process. And I, I just know I couldn't function without that. And we have a comment here. Samantha says, while back, I wasn't feeling motivated to do art at all. So scared because I thought that the drive and motivation won't come back after years of working on art and loving it. You know what? There are so many people in our community who weren't able to do art for a while and had 20, 30 years, 40 years away from it and then just started coming back. And here's the thing. There's oftentimes this perception that if you are not actively practicing your artwork, that you're going to lose your skill. I don't think that's really true. And even if your skill is not the same, it's not that it's worse. It's just different because think about my drawing skill, okay? I have enough of the fundamentals down. I have enough experience that I don't have to worry about that stuff. So I don't think my artwork 10 years ago is not as good as what I'm doing now. It's just different. I'm just evolving and changing. And so I just don't think you have to worry about losing that. It's it's more, I think for a lot of people, it's a mindset thing. Like, where do I find the place? Where do I find the resources that are going to let me rekindle that relationship? And it really depends on each person's circumstance. Justin says, there are no other online art communities that you can get useful feedback other than Art Prof. Actually, I'm curious about that too. Before you started hanging out here, where did people get feedback on their artwork? Because that, that's a really common problem for a lot of artists is either they're not getting critique at all 
or maybe they don't even know that they need critique, which is also something that some people don't even know. Or maybe you're getting critique from family. Uh, I know, uh, cringy. I mean, they mean well. They're trying to help you, but they're not helpful. E even people who are artists in your family are sometimes not helpful because it's like it's too close. Like you want somebody who's a little bit more removed from you to give you that advice. And so I do think that that separation is important. And I guess it's awkward for a lot of people because I see this a lot. People on Instagram, they post something and then they say, what do you think? And I never know what to say in that situation because I don't want to come out and like critique them. Like that seems like an attack. On the other hand, on Instagram, that's not really where you write a thoughtful critique either. And then it's also sometimes frustrating when you post something and you get nothing. Has anybody ever done that? You post something, crickets. I, that's happened to me so many times. It's really discouraging. So it's a problem for a lot of artists. And we've done so much trial and error to try to create spaces that accommodate different levels of interaction. Like we have a channel in the Discord. It's just called Show and Tell. And you just put your stuff there. The expectation is you put your stuff there, you show it. But you're not asking for a critique. And so, yeah, you comment on other people's stuff, but people don't want a critique in there. They just want to show. Now, the critique channels are different. The expectation is that if you post there, a couple of things are going to happen. Number one, you want the critique, like you were actively seeking it out. And then number two, that not only are you going to post your work, but you're going to reciprocate because we do have that rule where if you post one artwork, you have to leave three comments. And that's the problem is I think there's a lot of these online art communities it's like these post and run groups. Have you seen these? I think Facebook is really bad. Like there's a lot of huge artist groups on Facebook. It's like, oh, 50,000 members in this group. And if you scroll through the group, the interactions are not good. It's like people just posting their stuff. Nobody gives back to anybody else. And it, it's not a good experience for a lot of people. Contemporary Sumera says everyone in this community is so real and kind, and it really feels like we're a big group of classmates. And not just that, what is very special that I never had at RISD was the continuity. Because when I was at RISD, I had the kids for 12 weeks, and that's it. 12 weeks is not a long time. I mean, granted, it was a very intensive 12 weeks. I mean, we worked a lot. But most students, I rarely had them a second time. That was really an exception if I did. And I think that there's a different depth of learning when you're with somebody for a long period of time. And that's what we're seeing here is some people now are saying, you know what, I've been following you for a few years. And at that stage, not only are they growing as an artist, but we're growing as a platform. I mean, oh my God, some of those early streams. Yikes. <laughs> some of them are so bad. I kept up a few just for entertainment's sake, <laughs> not for any other reason. Crispy Paintbrush says, I've been using ArtProf kind of like a pretest before college. It's been a great way to learn, expand, and prepare myself. Oh, good. I'm glad that we can be a testing ground for people because no consequences. <laughs> what am I going to do? Like, mark you tardy? No, which I don't miss. Oh, my gosh. Brick and mortar classroom, there was just so much policing. Not because I wanted to, but because schools would have certain expectations about records and things like that. And 
we'd have a paper trail for everything. And oh, it was just really exhausting. So I don't miss that at all. <laughs> Ellie says, loving seeing people's thumbnail sketches, fails. I started already about 10 months ago. Loving seeing that other people are just starting or struggling. I'm so glad people are showing that because I think a lot of people worry about, oh, maybe I'm not good enough to be in this community. Or this is very common in critique channels. Usually if somebody's not experienced with critique, which is more often than not, they'll say, well, I, I don't really know how to critique other people's stuff. And I don't think I deserve to critique other people's stuff because I'm not very experienced and I don't think my skills are very good. And what we try to remind people is, listen, it doesn't matter what your skill set is. Think about all those people that go to museums. They don't have art history degrees last time I checked and their opinion matters. And so it has nothing to do with, oh, do you have the right to critique somebody? You do. Everybody can look at something and say what they think. You don't have to be an art historian to do that. In fact, <laughs> I shouldn't get myself in trouble. But some of these people who are experts in their field, I don't know. <laughs> a lot of them are not that impressive. Some of them are. I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying that don't ever make the assumption that just because somebody has a PhD, they are more articulate or have a better or more valid opinion than you. They don't. They may express themselves differently, but that's fine. C. Cantrell says, I did not think to actually be a part of an art community before Art Prof because you guys are so accepting, welcoming, and encouraging. That's very important to us to be inclusive because I do think that there, there are a lot of communities where people don't want to enter because they don't see themselves in those communities. And I think that's a problem. And we have a very diverse community. We have people of all ages. I got an email from a parent who's like, my kids 11, they love your videos. I was like, really? <laughs> like, I just sort of assume we would be more for older people, more like, I don't know, 13 or something and up. But I was like, that's awesome. I love that an 11 year old watches our videos and gets something out of that. Thank you, Luis, so much for the super chat. Keep it coming, guys, because you know what? only 75 minutes left in the raffle and we really need to do well on this raffle we really really do not just in one-time donations but we really need to hit our patreon goal because our patreon goal has been six thousand a month for a while and it has not really moved much one of the bigger problems is that people pledge and then they drop and that hurt us really bad because there was a point we had three slides of patreon supporters and then just all these people dropped and it turned into a slide and a half. And that was rough because the thing about the Patreon that is different than the one-time donations is that it's it's our bread and butter. It's it's what, if we didn't have the Patreon, we wouldn't be here. It, that's how important it is. And I think sometimes people look at the Patreon and they go, oh my God, you're making 3000 a month. I'm like, that doesn't even close to cover what we have to cover because we have to pay staff. That's actually the bulk of our income because I don't like to pay people minimum wage. I like to pay them what I think they deserve. So the issue is that the one-time donations are great, but we need ongoing stuff. Like I need to know that there's this amount coming every month from the Patreon. So when people pledge and then they drop, it's, 
it's so it feels so bad because what happens is we have a lot of people joining all the time and that's great i love that but the thing is it's like if all these people are dropping and new people join it's like they cancel each other out and so that's what's happened is that even though we have had a lot of people join so many people drop that it just didn't budge like we just never had growth because they just kept canceling each other out and i was really bumming about that because the patreon we really need to hit 6000 a month for me to breathe and not feel like I'm in cardiac arrest all the time every time I think about our budget. Let's see. Alrika Alfred says, I wanted to make a free course on contemporary sculpture and materials, but now when I listen for this, I doubt if it is possible so hard. It depends on everybody's situation. I'm sort of a perfectionist, and so I'm very on top of vetting things and revising and brainstorming. I mean, you would not believe how much goes into one slideshow. But there's a lot of people on YouTube who do not do that, do not have that planning process, and can put things together quickly with not super professional equipment. And that's fine. I mean, some of those people do really well. It's just, what are you comfortable with? I'm not comfortable with that because I have a certain degree of depth and research that I want our content to have. And I also want to make sure that stuff is accurate and that we're providing artist dates and doing our research as best as we can, given the situation. But don't let us stop you, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, my feeling about a lot of that stuff is just try it. If it sucks, then don't do it. <laughs> it's like you're not going to hurt anybody by making that happen. Hania says, my nephews watch Art Prof too, especially since they are doing, quote, school at home. And from what I know, they don't have an official art class. Oh, I know a lot of the schools, most of them, if they have an art program at all, it's pretty sparse. My kid had art in elementary school, and I think it was every other week. And when it was every other week, it was a half an hour. That's one hour a month that they have of art class. And that just really, really bums me out. Janine, thank you so much for the super chat. We greatly appreciate your support. Keep them coming, okay? We we need this raffle to count. So I'm not a stress ball for the next few months because re really I was thinking for us, like, you know what, maybe if I just teach one class, if I just do one class a week, that would give me something a little bit more stable financially, but I really don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I mean, I feel bad complaining because I... I'm fine compared to a lot of people in the world in their situation, but I just feel like I'd be wading back into that cesspool. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am not the person to talk to if you want to hear a positive view of academia. There are pockets of academia that are very good. I'm not saying that they're not, but I just, I don't want to go back there. Elrika says, can I donate with a card? I have problems with PayPal. Well, if you want to do a card, Patreon allows that. And if you don't want to do that, you can always snail mail us a check. So whatever works for you. Lydia says, I feel like Art Prof focuses more on the process of art rather than the result. This really takes the pressure off of the artist and gives us an environment where we feel free to really create. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is one thing I learned in art school 
that I think was really valuable that I don't think I would have learned in another place. And that's where I'm very grateful to have had the undergraduate art school education that I had because I see what happens to me when I get really product oriented. It's like, I just freeze, like it paralyzes you somehow. We were just talking in the premium chat voice session, me and Kat were doing a session and we were talking about how a lot of people, their best work is when they're not thinking. They're just, ah, whatever, <laughs> whatever happens. And those moments where you're like, okay, today's the day I'm gonna make an amazing painting. It's like, then automatically you can't make an amazing painting. And so it's so strange how the way you approach the work from a mindset point of view, it's all the difference. Because oftentimes it is not that your hand is more nimble. It's just that you've shifted your mindset so that you can physically work the way that you want to. Elzel says, I did send $5 via PayPal. Thank you so much. And they follow up by saying, I left an adjunct teaching position and feel the same way. Oh my God, don't even get me started. <laughs> There's two videos you can watch where I just let it rip <laughs> as far as academia goes. I'm not even going to do it now because it's like, oh my God, I don't think you want me to be angry <laughs> for the next part of the stream. <laughs> Bicycle Lady says, another thing that helps me is the five-minute gesture drawing, which made me get past the tendency to stew over drawings. Oh, five-minute gesture drawings, they're hard. And actually, I really do think gesture drawings are a skill separate from doing like a really, really long-term drawing. Because actually, I think sometimes people will see an artist who can do like an absurd number of details in their work, like way more than I would ever have the patience to do. But then sometimes if you ask that artist to do a just drawing, they can't do it. It's a whole other skill, whole other muscle set. And honestly, between the two, the 20 hour drawing that you just go insane over details, I think that's quote easier than the gesture drawing. The gesture drawing is a lot harder. I think there's just so much you have to distill into a very small space with so little time it's very hard to do. Samantha says, did you get much feedback really? Mostly from other art mutuals I have on social media. Truly, I'm my own best and worst critic. Oh God, tell me about it. <laughs> like I was, I was laughing so hard because me and Kat were in the Discord. We were doing the premium track voice session. We were just chatting a little bit before the class started. And she's talking to me about the raffle. And of course I'm venting a little bit because that's what you do when you're trying to pull this thing off and you're worried about it. And she's giving me all this advice. And I'm like, this sounds really familiar. <laughs> she's like, guess what you tell me to do. I'm like, yeah, but I can't take my own advice. <laughs> I need to hear it from somebody else. So I almost sometimes think that we're all just passing around <laughs> the same piece of advice because I'd spent the morning with the Patreon people helping them with similar things. It's like, I have the exact same issue with all this stuff. C says, I really like the critique rule in the Discord. Well, I would thank the mods. They are the ones that make those critique channels work. And it's work to do that. Being a moderator, it's not... 
an easy job. And we're constantly having to get on people about that critique role. It's a lot of work because inevitably people join, they, they just don't know. That's fine. I mean, if you enter a new space, I'm not going to expect that people know every single rule inside out. So we have to remind the new people. And then we do get people who just don't want to do it and hope they don't get caught. And so we have to make sure we do get on them and say, hey, not cool for you to just post stuff and expect people to help you, but then you won't help them. That's not cool. And so we have to be on top of that. And it never ends. So for those of you who are getting something out of the critique channels, if you enjoy those, tell the mods that you appreciate the work they do because they do a lot of cleanup in there that maybe people don't even notice, but is extremely valuable. Chuck Ha says, I used to post on the private social media for sketchbook school, but everyone was kind of applauding everything. Then I went to sketchy, but it was mostly for finished portraits. That's interesting, Chuck Ha, because I know for a lot of people, critique is intimidating. And a lot of people are like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so worried somebody's going to say something not nice about my work, but actually in our Discord. So we have this technique for critique that we recommend. It's called the sandwich. And that's where you start by identifying something about the artwork that's working well, because people tend to be more receptive when you, you first start with what they're doing well, and then you go into some of the areas you think they could improve, and then you wrap it up by saying something else that's working about the piece. And we've actually had people in Discord, they're like, I don't need a sandwich, just give me the meat. I'm like, okay. I think that's great. Like people want the critique. They're not just wanting people to massage their egos. Like I think the people who hang out here really care about learning. And I think all of you know that learning is not a walk in the park and that it challenges you. And you're going to hear stuff you may not like, but I think a good student recognizes the importance of that. And oftentimes one thing that's hard about critique is you'll just get so many opinions that you're like, oh my God, where do I even start? I remember when I was in art school, I'd have this happen all the time where I'd show something to a teacher and they'd say, oh, the red is horrible. Get rid of it. And then you show the same thing to another teacher. Oh my God, the red is the best part of your painting. And you're just like, what? Like, what do I do with that? That is not helpful. But I think it's a bad critique if everybody agrees. I think that's what's good about the discord is if you do get conflicting opinions. You can listen to each side and you can judge for yourself. Hey, is that the point of view that I like, or maybe this person? And then you can pick and choose because ultimately you're not going to listen to everybody. That's impossible. That would never, ever happen. HL, thank you so much for the super sticker. Keep it coming, everybody. You got 60 minutes. I really need this raffle to go well. I'm sorry. I'm I I try really hard not to whine. I really do. But when we're doing the raffle, I just I have to. I have to let people know the reality of how hard we work. Because I don't know, sometimes I think I'm like maybe I should whine all the time. Then people would really understand how much work it is. Because I do think sometimes when things run smoothly and consistently, people just don't think it's a lot of work. And I'm like, no, you guys don't understand <laughs> the amount of stress that's behind every stream, 
making sure people show up, making sure every stone, it's, it's a ton of work. And so I guess I just have told myself now, okay, it's okay for me to tell people about that during the raffle. I don't like it to get in the way of the content, but I do think people should know that we don't just show up. It's a crazy amount of work. And actually what I find too, anybody else have this problem? I find that if I really want to do something well, I have to do it at least twice, like minimum. That's the least number. <laughs> like a lot of times when I really want to do something well, I have to do it three times. Like actually these tracks that we have on artprof.org, if you don't know what these are, they are a structured sequence of video lessons and prompts. And they're nice for people who want something more structured. They want to know where to begin because maybe they feel overwhelmed by the amount of content that's out there. I think a lot of people feel that way. But when I was assembling the web pages for these, oh my God, like the number of times you have to review a page, make sure the link is correct, make sure there's the correct resolution, make sure it, it's so much work. So a lot of it does look very easy because we don't complain a lot, but guess what? I'm gonna complain a little today. <laughs> Sorry, I just think people need to know that running art prof is not free and it is not an easy thing. And it takes a lot of commitment and work for people to put all those pieces together. Sarah says, art school critiques are a little insular because it's a lot of young adults that tend to have similar interests. So the discord is cool because there's so many different point of views. That's one of my favorite things because actually I was thinking about it. If you're, let's say in high school or middle school, chances are probably a lot of the adults in your life are either your parents or family members or their teachers. And so meeting an adult that is not in one of those roles, I don't think is that common actually for your average younger person. And I love it when somebody who's older helps somebody who's younger. Like oftentimes we have students in the Discord applying for art school, or maybe they're doing exams or stuff like that. And they're having a really hard time. And I just love when somebody comes in and says, you know what, here's the bigger picture. Here's what I did. It's really comforting. I think everybody should have a couple friends at least that are like 30 years, 20 years older than them. For me, a lot of that was my former professors at RISD. And I had all the colleagues that were older than me. And I just love talking to them. It's it just, I don't know, like you talk to somebody who's older and they've been through all the stuff that you're going through and they just are like, you'll be fine. You're okay. It's like, you know, you're probably okay, but it's again, like the critique, you need to hear it from another person. You can't just tell yourself you're going to be fine. You need to hear that reassurance. Starving Artist says, is Art Prof close to securing the 2K match donation yet? Well, that ended last night. I haven't done all the numbers yet. I think we came very close. I don't think we hit the full out 2K, but it was really close. I'll have to announce the numbers later on. Lisa says, I appreciate seeing behind the curtain. Well, cool, because there's a lot <laughs> behind the curtain and a lot of it is really boring and not glamorous. Like who here saw Dune? So I watched Dune on Sunday and I did that draw along of Baron Harkonnen yesterday. And I've been watching all these silly featurettes on YouTube. Cause you know, what else are you gonna do? I mean, you can watch the Benedict Cumberbatch videos. 
haven't watched almost all of them though. That's the only thing. I'm like, oh, I've seen that one. And so I'm watching all these featurettes and it's like, they make it look so glamorous. And I'm like, I don't think it was like that. I mean, I have not been on like a real film set, but when we have shot stuff for art prof, it's like, oh my God, it can just be the most tedious thing on the planet. I can't imagine if you have that many actors and producers. Oh my God, it just hurts my head to even think about organizing something like that. <laughs> Sonnet, thank you. Complain away. People pay good money for all that you're doing for free. Sometimes I look at some of the prices for online classes and it just blows me away how much people charge for sometimes not a very good experience. And I think oftentimes programs get away with it because they have a big school name behind it. And that's too bad. And sometimes I wonder if we have almost, if it's been detrimental to us that our content is free. Because I think oftentimes the assumption is if it's free, it's probably not that good. Because if it was good, you'd be charging a lot of money. So we've had to combat some of that here and there, but I'm hoping that we're so much more established now than we used to be, that I think it has been getting a lot easier. Blue Run says, it's so important to mentor younger artists or younger people in any field. As a vet, I tell all my nurses and younger vets that they can always come to me for help. I will never turn them away. That is so nice to hear, Blue Run. You need people like that in any field. I mean, Oh my God, this is such a terrible story, <laughs> but th this is an example of why you need to do that. Why we need people like you who are willing to make themselves available. Because when I first started at RISD, oh my God, it's so unfriendly. Like, you know how new person comes, you never seen them before. You're there. Isn't it sort of your job to introduce yourself to the new person? Like that, that's usually the etiquette. When I started at RISD, nobody said hi to me. I, I was like, really? This is so uncomfortable. There was one person who did. And they came to me and they were like, oh, hello. And it's so great to have you here. And you can always ask me for help. And I totally did because I needed it. I was such a young teacher. I was only like 28 at the time. And it's like, I still remember that person and how much they helped me. And it's like, it doesn't even matter if I never went to them for help. The fact that they reached out to me and said, I'm here if you need help. It's like, that's all you need sometimes. And I'm so grateful that they helped me because nobody else did. It was, oh, I mean, I got bullied by a professor at RISD when I was a professor. I, oh my God, I, I can't even get into it because it's really specific. Justin said, just check the Patreon. You are now at 4,000 a month. Oh, that's great to hear because we were stuck at like 3,500 for months. So that's a big difference for us. Blue Wolf says, actually Drew during the stream didn't come out all that good, but I got the bad pick out of my fingers. Exactly. You fulfilled your quota. You see, I think that's great. You need to do that. Sonnet says, that's crazy. I would think you were like the popular teacher at RISD. I was with the students. Faculty were just too good, too above it all. <laughs> it sucks. 
Everybody's so mean. I'm so glad I'm not there. <laughs> Blue Run says, I just joined the Domenici Discord within seconds of announcing my arrival. I get numerous welcomes. I was overwhelmed by the warmth I felt belonged. Well, see, to me, it's very important that people get that reception right away and that they feel like people want them to be there. Like, have you guys ever gone into a Facebook group? Because I was in a couple of these art teacher groups and I was like, wow, for a bunch of art teachers, you guys are not nice. <laughs> like, I think it's a Facebook thing partially because Facebook does that annoying competitive thing where it like bumps the post up to the top if you comment on it. And so I did this too. I would just comment on my own post to bump it up, not because I wanted to say something, which is terrible behavior. I think it's bad. But just a lot of the Facebook groups, there's not really like a welcome, whatever. It's just like random posts and you just go in. And I guess what I like about the Discord is when a new person shows up, we show them around, we tell them where the soft drinks are <laughs> and other people do come in and say hello. And I wish I'd had that on a lot of my other teaching positions. John Murph is asking, what is the De Medici Discord? So the De Medici Discord, if you pledge $20 a month, it gives you access to a bunch of channels that are just for Patreon supporters. And it's a really nice area because it's a much smaller group. I mean, our Discord is getting big. Last time I checked, we had almost 7,000 members. And so if you have 7,000 members, it's just really hard to make a very intimate space. I mean, it's just hard to get to know people. But the Domenici Discord is a small group. And so you can really get to know people very well. And I think the interactions are easier for that reason. And then we have voice sessions and there's actually an open voice channel. So it's been really fun. A lot of people are just hanging out in there. So that they're just in the voice channel, they're like making work and everything. They've actually put together a schedule specific times when, I mean, they could go anytime they wanted, but times people would know to meet. And that's been really nice too, because I know a lot of people like that companionship. I mean, what else are you going to do? I mean, I don't know. I'd probably have Dr. Strange on or something, although that's distracting. That's a problem. I don't know. Maybe I should find a nature documentary that Benedict Cumberbatch narrated, because then it's like, it's just a penguin video or something, and I can still listen to his voice, but I'm not distracted by all the visuals. <laughs> wow, we have a lot of super stickers here from Hania, Rinjeff, and another from Arby Dick. Everybody, you're so amazing. I love this community. I think that you are all making this possible because we just, we need the numbers because I don't want anybody here to not be able to access this. I've said this a lot that I'd rather shut it down. I'm not going to, don't worry. I'm going to try really hard to not have that happen, but it just, I don't know. It would make me feel bad if we set up a paywall. I, I feel like that would feel wrong. I wouldn't like that. Contemporary Sumera says, I'm so glad you're on YouTube, Clara. If you were still at RISD, all of us would never be here as a community. That is true because 
I was so embarrassed. I, I didn't want anybody to know I was on YouTube. It's like that was the kiss of death in academia. And you know what? Thank goodness none of them watch YouTube because I just don't like the idea of any of them seeing me. But here's the thing. So that got to me for a long time. But when you think about it, those other faculty, what is it? Like maybe 50 of them? There's like 50 people on the planet, okay? And I talked to one of my former professors and I said, oh my God, I just feel so embarrassed about what I'm doing and I just feel so lame and nobody respects it. And this is what he said and it was such good advice. He said, you know what though? Those what, 45 people, they've already made their mind up about you. You're not gonna change their opinion. And the only thing that matters is the new people that you meet. And I love that because it's too easy to get stuck on that 45 people and caring about what they think. And it's exhausting. I don't want to do that anymore. I just want to do my thing. I want to do these spreadsheets. <laughs> I mean, I don't, but these spreadsheets are what keep us sane. I mean, what you're looking at here is, I don't know, this is like two weeks of streams. And it's all the little tasks that I have to do. I had to click the paid promotion box. I did a slideshow. I got to create StreamYard. I have to add the video text. I have to do playlists. It's just like, it's like on and on and on. <laughs> yeah, like Ellie says, I'm loving the Domenici Discord group. We all kind of get to know each other. And I've only been there for like two to three weeks. Oh, it only gets better. And you know something? I didn't think it was possible to develop strong relationships with people online, but I have totally changed my mind. I really feel that if we ever have ArtProfCon <laughs> someday, if we ever have the budget for that, I really think it's gonna feel more like a reunion than a first time meeting. And Lauren and Deepdu, who did the New York City meetup last week, Lauren said the exact same thing. She said that when she went to the meetup, she felt like it was a reunion. She did not feel like it was the first time. And she said what was remarkable about that was feeling like, wow, this camaraderie we have, it's real. It's not something that just exists online. Like it's really a prominent part of our lives. Pat says, you need to look up Cumberbatch's appearance on Graham Norton on YouTube. He did narrate a penguin dot, but he can't pronounce penguin. What makes you think I haven't watched that clip like 18 times? <laughs> He's so cute. Oh my God. I know he said something like pen, pen wings. Like it, it did not sound like penguin at all. Oh my God. He's so cute. <laughs> Although I, I confess, I don't really understand the Graham Norton show. I'm like, what's fun about this guy? I don't know. Maybe you have to live in Britain to understand the context of that show. But yes, there's another Graham. Oh my God. There's a Graham Norton video. Okay. It's, it's Hugh Jackman, Michael Fassbender, and James McAvoy. All I want. Oh my God. I just died. But here's the thing. I don't really think James McAvoy is that great. Although, <laughs> this is an update on my movie watching preferences. I watched Atonement. Well, not the whole thing last night. It's got like Kira Knightley and James McAvoy. And he's really young in that movie. I was probably made like at least 12 years ago. I mean, he looks like he's like 22. He's so young. But I was like, dude, you're, you're kind of hot. And also the, oh my God, his Scottish accent. <laughs> it's so 
so good. I love his Scottish accent. So of course in that Graham Norton video, because it's him, he's got his Scottish accent. I was like, oh my God, this is just like overload. Like I can't take this. <laughs> this is just too many, too much hotness for one Graham Norton video. <laughs> like, I can't watch that video too many times though. I'm like, I have to, I have to save it. It's kind of like Jordan and Spider-Verse. He told me that because Spider-Verse is his favorite movie, he has to make sure he doesn't watch it too much. He can only watch it in small doses because he needs to preserve <laughs> how great that movie is. <laughs> See, Starving Artist, I kind of get it with James McAvoy. I'm starting to get it because all I'd seen him in before was those X-Men movies. And yeah, I'm looking at Michael Fassbender in those. I'm not looking at James McAvoy, <laughs> but he looks really cute in Atonement. Oh my God, and that hair. I don't know. He's not quite on par with Benedict or anybody, but I, I confess, I think he's cute now. So yes, <laughs> I have, uh, I've progressed. I'm, I'm expanding. I'm expanding my horizons when it comes to all my little, well, not little, my hot white men. <laughs> Lisa says, hearing voices strengthens the connection in the de Medici. Well, that's the other interesting thing is that so many of these online platforms, it's like video conference all the time. I find the video stuff exhausting. That's why I think everybody gets Zoom fatigue because you're just like glued to the screen. But I love the voice channels because I don't have to think about that. I can just focus on the person's voice. And sometimes I think you can almost learn more about a person when you like really think about their voice because sometimes the visuals really get in the way. I think sometimes it's actually easier to focus on all that. So I love that all of our stuff is voice because we did do some sessions before where like I would be on video and everybody else would be on voice. But now I'm on voice and I'm sorry, I kind of love it because <laughs> I can like not have nice hair and I don't know, be drinking out of a silly cup or doing something dumb like that. And like, nobody cares. And it, it's just more relaxing. Like it actually makes it easier for me to concentrate because there are certain factors I just don't have to think about. Because when your video camera is on, you do have to think about that. So I love the voice part of it. I don't know. Tell me in the chat, people in the Medici, do you ever feel like you want the video on? Because I never do. I, I'm always like fine with just the voice. It's totally enough. Oh, cool. Blue Wolf. I want to see what you do in the Patreon later. And thank you so much, Seven Angelic, for bumping up your Patreon because literally every little bit counts like people don't have to contribute that much like even just five dollars it adds up once you have a whole bunch of people who are just adding these micro donations they, they start really accumulating so everybody that is incredible to have that support daniel craig eh, i'm not into him <laughs> i don't know he just always looks sort of it's more the face. I don't know. I haven't really looked at him that carefully. <laughs> I don't. I haven't seen the new James Bond movie. Maybe it's good. Although sometimes it's like you need to see them in the right role. Because Benedict is in Atonement. And he's a 
big dork in that movie. Like if I saw him in that movie, I would not be into him. So yeah, it's like you need just the right situation. <laughs> Starving Artist says, is the Art Prof Meetup listed on the Meetup platform? It's not. We probably should do something like that in the future. I have to look at my schedule, but I'm really hoping in January that I can do a meetup in Boston. I am going to New York, but I'm not going to be there for very long. And I just don't think I'm going to have time to do it. But yeah, I mean, that meetup was really fun because it really was an experiment for us to see, okay, well, how does this work? And what's another way we could do it? I mean, I know that a lot of people, it depends on where you live, but COVID is still not totally settled down. And so at some point I do want to do like, wouldn't it be fun to have like an art prof museum visit? Like, okay, everybody just like come to the mat, bring your sketchbook. Let's like pick a gallery. Let's just draw on that. Oh my God. I would have so much fun doing that. And it could be so chill and so fun. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that at some point. Sonnet, thank you so much for the super sticker. You're all amazing to help us this way. Chris Evans, bleh, boring. <laughs> all the Chris's and the Ryan's, they're so boring. I mean, Ryan Gosling is friends with Hugh Jackman, so maybe I like him for that reason, <laughs> but that's it. Yeah, actually, a lot of people here are saying that they prefer voice. Like Paula says, I hate video calls. And Ellie says, I'm enjoying just voice. I could see where it could be helpful. If someone was trying to demonstrate technique or something. Mm -hmm. Candy Licious says, I love the Met. I know, but you know what really bums me out is that they had to charge admission. Because I remember for years and years, the Metropolitan in New York was free, but they because understandably so all this budget crisis and everything they had to start but it bums me out because the last time I went to the Met when it was free I was with my husband and my two kids and my kids were young they were not remotely like museum age like they only lasted like a half an hour <laughs> in the museum before they wanted to leave but I know that if the Met had cost money that day we wouldn't have gone because there's no way we would have afforded Tickets for four people only for my kids to complain after half an hour that they wanted to leave. Like, it's just not worth it. So that is a big bummer because going to museums, it adds up so fast. All right, cool. So Ellie says, so far posting in the De Medici chat has been perfectly acceptable. Yeah, I think that's great. Justin asks, when did they start charging at the Met? think a year ago, although I could be totally wrong. But yeah, fairly recently, they started doing that. I mean, I'm sort of amazed that any museum stays alive. I mean, if you think about how expensive it is to run a museum, it's absurd what they have to do. You know who I really felt bad for, though, was uh, <laughs> I read something about these curators who had worked like five years arranging some museum exhibition and the whole thing was canceled because of COVID. I just thought, oh my God, that must just be the most horrible thing because organizing any museum show is incredibly hard. I mean, all those permissions that you have to do 
to get everything going. I mean, that's just, that's really, really hard. C. Cantrell says, did you see the Korean cooking show that Hugh Jackman was on? Don't remember. No, I did not. I did see that Japanese commercial he was in. The one where he's like dancing and running through a hotel. Oh, that was great. Like he's such a good dancer. I love him. <laughs> Blue Will says, this hangout's so awesome. Love Prof just eyeballing the chat and answering questions. It's fun for me too, because I'm like, I didn't have to do any work. I just had to set up the stream, make a thumbnail, throw together a slide. This is like the most chill session I could possibly come up with. <laughs> so it's fun for me too. And it's nice because oftentimes when we have a specific topic, like Deep D and I did that art history stream the other day, we have a lot of content we had to go through. In fact, we have certain streams, especially the curriculum streams actually, because the curriculum streams, they just cover so much. And I get worried. I'm like, oh my God, what if we don't get through all the content? And that's happened sometimes where we just like split it up into two streams eventually. But Deep Dean, I really wanted to like plow through that art history stuff. And we were just stressed that we weren't going to get it on time. But we did. I mean, it, it takes some practice, but we got there. What, Elzel? I met Hugh Jackman once many years ago. He's just as dreamy in person. Our kids must be about the same age. My son, he was a toddler, literally ran into <laughs> Oh my God. Okay, just focus. <laughs> Thank goodness he has an Instagram. Because Benedict and Michael Fassbender are not on Instagram and I just cry a tear every day. <laughs> Diana G says this year was my first solo exhibition oh wow that's a really big deal Diana tell us in the chat how that went because it's so different than being in a group show because when did I have my first solo show I had my first solo show right after graduate school and it was at the Danforth Museum in Boston. And I had been in a whole bunch of group shows before that, like between my BFA and MFA degree. And those were really good experiences. I'm glad I had them. But oh my God, the solo shows up as a whole other can of worms is exciting though. Actually, <laughs> it was really dorky. When I did have solo shows, I would get stressed out that nobody would come to the exhibition reception. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to like be there at my exhibition opening reception and like just my husband will be there and I'm gonna feel like a total loser that's the only thing <laughs> Raj Veer says does anyone bother asking you what's the point of art etc if so what do you say it's not so much that they say what's the point of art as much as they don't value it or don't understand that it's a real profession and a real skill and it takes time and focus and training that's the part that drives me crazy how many people here have had somebody say to you oh you're an artist you're so lucky you're talented and i'm like like it just infuriates me that they think i just woke up like this like oh yes i i didn't study at all i did no work i just woke up this way that's what bothers me is that people don't understand the value or people think that it's not real work. I'm like, are you kidding? I mean, a lot of 
my friends who are artists, they work harder than people I know who are doctors. So I don't think that the profession dictates the quality or seriousness or focus. I think it's the individual. I mean, you'll find lazy people in any field, but I just think this idea that we're all lazy or we're all like, ooh, liberal. Like, you know what really makes me mad? Has anybody ever said this to you? It's like, oh, well, do you like get high to make your artwork for inspiration? I'm like, no, I'm super boring, straight-laced person. I don't drink and I don't do drugs. And <laughs> I do not fit that stereotype of the wonky artist. And actually, most of my artist friends don't either. That stereotype, I don't know that it really exists. Maybe it does, but I don't meet a lot of people like that. So Diana saying, a lot of people went. We had a reunion talking about my art. Everybody was so nice. It was perfect. Oh, that sounds great. I'm so happy you had that experience, Diana. That's wonderful. Sophia says, I was wondering if you have any advice on choosing between going to art school or majoring in art at a university. We actually do have a video on that. Look up art prof, should I go to art school? And then there's another one called Art School versus Art Major. And that's where I interview two of my former students who are at UCLA. And so they're art majors at a liberal arts university. And they make a lot of good points about certain things you can do at a liberal arts college that you can't do at art school. Like for example, one is that most art schools don't have a lot extracurricular wise. And I know a lot of universities and liberal arts colleges, like they have all kinds of organizations you can join and you can do sports. Like you can't really do that at most art schools. So you have to ask yourself if you're willing to put aside some of those things while you go to art school. It doesn't mean you have to quit them, but art school doesn't make a lot of room for that extracurricular stuff. And I think another point that Kat made, I think it's in the same video, is do you really want to do it 24-7? Like a lot of people don't want to do art 24-7. That's fine. I mean, that that's a personality thing. Not everybody wants to do that. But I do think that you have to ask yourself that question because it, it really is not, oh, are you a better artist or good artist? It's just what's the right fit? And I really wish people would think about college admissions that way, that it's not about, oh, Harvard's the number one school. I'm going to go to Harvard. It's like, no, does Harvard have what's going to help me? Because actually in that book that Frank Bruni wrote that I mentioned at the beginning of the stream, he talked about this one student who I think went to Brown, but felt really overwhelmed there because it was just, everybody was so academically strong and she wasn't used to that, that she just lost all her self-esteem. Like it just crushed her to be there. And then Frank Bruni writes about how he went to, I forget what schools, like a school in North Carolina, but anyway, it wasn't like Ivy League or anything like that. And he said that because it wasn't hyper-competitive, like an Ivy League, he said he really gained a lot of confidence. And he said, ultimately that confidence mattered more than like super ultra academic rigorous place. And he said he came out of college with a lot of confidence. And sometimes that confidence matters way more than the actual information because information you can get that anywhere like that's not difficult and i loved that comparison that yeah brown's a good school but it wasn't a good school for that student it was a terrible place for that student 
And some people might look at Frank Bruni's North Carolina school and say, oh, that's not Harvard. It's like, fine, but it he did really well. I mean, he's an op-ed writer for the New York Times. I mean, obviously it did not hurt him as far as his career goes. So stuff with schools is just not that straightforward because a lot of people, actually Jordan told me this. He said that when he was in high school, he was told that, oh, RISD is the number one art school. You, you should go there because it's number one. And Jordan has told me that in retrospect, it wasn't a good fit for him because the stuff he wanted to study was not really taught that much at RISD. I mean, RISD has lots of strengths, but there are certainly a lot of things that it's not the best for. And so that's what happened is he, he went to, quote, the best art school. But the thing is, the best art school did not have what he needed. And so you have to look more at fit, which sucks because people get all wrapped up on names and prestige and all that stuff. But ultimately, it's not really about that. Marielle says, is it OK to get an MFA at the same institution you got an undergraduate degree in? Yeah, I mean, you can. I'm not sure I would want to do that because I think I would probably get too comfortable and maybe not be as adventurous as if I was in a new place. And it also depends on the school. I mean, there could be schools that don't want you to do that. There are other schools that don't care. So a lot of it is just you have to do your research. WC says, I personally really like having a lot of competition. Competition can be a good thing. I mean, I'm a competitive person, <laughs> trust me. Like I'm like, like out for blood a lot of the time. But I just think again, like what I was saying about fit with schools, it's not a good fit for everybody. Some people do not thrive in a contemporary in a competitive environment. Some people do, but that's where you need to find a good fit. MK says, I really appreciate this channel. I've learned so many things and how I can improve as an artist. I'm so happy to hear that because I think it's not always really clear in as far as how to improve. Like people ask me that a lot. They say, how do I improve? How do I get better? And there's no one answer for that. And I find oftentimes I really have to get to know the artist to know what's their goal because sometimes people think something is their goal, but they actually don't know what the options are and that actually there's something else out there that's a better fit. They just don't know about it. So for example, I had an artist call with somebody who said, oh, I really want to go back and do an MFA degree. And so after I talked to them for about a half an hour, I said to them, I don't know that an MFA is what you need. I think maybe you should actually think about doing an artist residency. I think that would be a better fit. And I think you get a lot more out of it. And then afterwards, they were like, yeah, I, I don't think I need the MFA degree. I thought I did, but I don't think so. So a lot of it is just sometimes people aren't aware of how the various fields work and what the options are. I don't know. So I guess we're having some tech issues with the stickers. Hmm. Anyway, here, here's the thing. You can always donate, okay? Like, it's not like you can't donate after the raffle ends. There's always an opportunity. And we need donations all the time. So can't donate now. You can do it later. <laughs> so thank you so much, everybody. Candy Licia says, people told me, wow, you're an artist. You're so creative. But I didn't start learning art until college. Couldn't afford art classes. And my high school didn't let me take art classes. 
only now am I seeing improvement in my art during college. I'm getting to where I want to be. It takes time. And sometimes the circumstances, as you described, they're not in your favor. But I'm really glad that you stuck with it. Because I think now with the internet, there are many more options. I mean, when I was a kid, it was like, okay, you have art class or you got the bookstore. That's it. There weren't really a lot of options. I mean, you couldn't even like watch Bob Ross on Netflix. <laughs> like it was just, you, you have a book or you have a class and that's kind of it. So I sort of love that. Charismatics says, what's an art residency? There are many different types of residencies, but the primary idea, it's an opportunity to go somewhere. And usually they give you a studio. And sometimes, most of the time, the residencies is like a group of artists. And it depends on the residency, but some are like composers and writers and artists and others are just artists. Some are a year long, some are two weeks. You really have to do your research with residencies because some of them really are not very good deals, actually. There are some where you're shelling out all the money out of your pocket, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm saying that there's a lot of residencies where they cover everything. I mean, of course, those are way more competitive, but an artist residency can be a really good chance to carve out a little space to make your work. And usually it's in a more remote location and I know a lot of writers do it when they're like trying to finish a book so they don't have so many distractions. I've only done one artist residency. And to be honest, it wasn't really like a full out artist residency because they had me teaching a workshop every day. And so I, I don't know, I just didn't have the headspace or the time to actually think through doing a project, but it was time away from regular craziness of everyday world. <laughs> Lexa says, just finished my portrait, going to upload my pastel portrait on the Discord. This was a lovely way to art with others. I love that. And you should all share what you make if you're sketching along during a hangout. I just love seeing that because we've started doing those studio hangouts, the ones where it's like three or four of us and we're all just doing our thing. And I sort of initially thought that, oh, it's not going to be really chaotic because the four of us are doing such different things and the images are small because there's so many of us. And it's like so many people liked it. I was like, okay, let's do it. It's, it's fun for us. Like for us, we're just like, cool, we get to hang out. I just wasn't sure if anybody wanted to do it with us, but apparently people do. So I'm really excited. <laughs> Blue Run says, every time I see one of those photos of a cat or guinea pig, other cute critter, I feel just a little manipulated. You know, I think everything is better with critters. Of course it is. Why do you think Bob Ross had those squirrel videos? <laughs> I mean, I don't think that was an accident. Just everything is so much more fun when there's something furry and soft. <laughs> Nearby. <laughs> Carmen says, watching Art Prof has helped me to be comfortable actually calling myself an artist because I haven't always been consistent and I didn't go to art school. Prof Lou is so inviting and encouraging. You know, it's interesting. I did a TikTok little ways back because people ask me all the time, they're like, can I call myself an artist? Is that okay? And I think a lot of people worry about that. And again, that imposter syndrome thing comes up, especially if people have their education in a more non-traditional way, like didn't get a degree in it. And I'm like, 
if you make art and you think you're you're an artist, that that's it. <laughs> like there's no like you don't have to pass the bar exam. You don't have to do the boards. I mean, it's like if you make stuff and you feel that it's artistic, then great. Who cares? Who cares what 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 is somebody kind of you're not an artist? Like screw you. Like <laughs> I'm not gonna put up with that crap. <laughs> Sorsen Lee says, make your own artist residency, work eight hours, come home, do art for five to six hours, sleep, rinse and repeat. That's a great way to do it. It's way cheaper than going to get an MFA. What I found is that a lot of people think they need an MFA when really what they just need is time to work. That sometimes is much more valuable. And so I think anybody who has a chance to do that, yes. I mean, one of the things about an artist residency that does help is oftentimes you do get to meet a lot of really cool people. Like I know Eloise and Lauren, they did an artist residency. I think it was at a place called Arts and Letters and Numbers. And they met all kinds of cool people there that they still stayed in touch with. And so there is something to be said about fostering those connections and meeting new people. I mean, it's kind of like when I go to conferences and stuff, I meet new people and it's super fun. So you have that. But yeah, I mean, do it. <laughs> if you can carve out the time, why not? Lauren says, is the merch that appears under the streams a good source of income? Not just do a lot of people buy, but do you get a good percentage of the money? Yeah, I think so. The merch is not carrying our budget. I mean, it, it's a little bell and whistle on the side. My thought about the merch was it's really easy to set up. Once you have it, it sort of takes care of itself. And we also have Amazon affiliate links. So anytime you see an art supply link in the YouTube video description or on artprof.org, it's probably an Amazon affiliate link, which means we do get a cut of something. So that's helpful and that's passive income. Again, like I don't touch it, it's just there. Sophia, thank you so much for the super chat. I'm currently a community college student creating my art portfolio to transfer to a four-year institution Art Prof has helped me immensely. Well, Sophia, I don't know if you're in the Discord, but I had a student at RISD who is in that exact same situation. She was at a liberal arts college, decided she didn't like it, took a year off and took classes at community college and then transferred to RISD and did a great job. She was a wonderful student. So if you need help with that, hang out with us in the Discord because there's not a lot of people you could get reliable information on. Have people found that? Like sometimes you're looking for one thing, like Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> He's not hard to find online. But you know when you're trying to find like one answer, like, oh, can I clean a jelly plate with water? And like you have to comb through like 18 blogs and three, it's like, oh my God, it just hurts your head. And that's why I like the Discord is that you know you can come in and there are knowledgeable people in there who can really help you. Because a lot of times there's only so much you can absorb from one video. Sometimes you, you just need the follow-up. So again, that's where the teaching part, it's like, yeah, you can watch all the videos you want, but if you can't follow up with a teacher and ask them questions that you thought about later, that's not a good learning experience in my opinion. This is a good point too from Justin. You can also put a residency on your CV, which is curriculum vitae. 
And we do have a stream, Lauren and I did, on resumes and curriculum vitae for artists and how you can put that together. But yeah, I mean, a residency is absolutely really good if you're trying to build up your artist residency. Candy Licia says, I think it's the need for space and time for work, which I desperately need. Any tips for an at-home studio with not a lot of room? I would say don't be afraid to let the art supplies you're using change to fit your situation. Because I know oftentimes people will say, oh, well, I'm oil painter, love oil painting, but oh, I have such a small space, there's no room. I guess I can't work. And I say, no, just you can't work with oils. <laughs> like you can work with other stuff. And I think sometimes people really don't want to do that because they feel that it's too big of a compromise because they're not using the supplies that they want to use. But you know what? I was an oil painter for a really long time. And then when I got pregnant with my first kid, I was just like really paranoid about being around chemicals. I just didn't want to do oil painting. And so I stopped doing it. And so what I ended up doing was these crayon drawings as a substitute. Cause I was like, you know, I'm just going to do this for now, but you know what? <laughs> I got so into the crayons that I, I just never went back to oil painting. I just loved the crayons and the crayons were great. They were so easy to use at home. They were super safe. They were easy to clean up. And I think if I'd held on to the oil, like I must do oil, like I would have been super frustrated. So don't be afraid to change something out of convenience. I feel the same way about traveling. When I travel and I draw on site, I don't think to myself, ooh, I need to make an oil painting. I just think, okay, what's small, quick, easy to clean up, not gonna spill on my bed. I'm thinking about stuff like that. And some people think, oh gosh, that is so, that is so boring and not glamorous. <laughs> Like, who cares? It makes my life easier. It makes it possible for me to do what I want to do. And sure, that's like a compromise from oil painting, but it's not everything. And you can learn to love a different material. Yeah, you do have to join the Discord. Come on, we have a big party in there. <laughs> Rin Jeff says, I have everything in bags or boxes. I have it organized by media and then grab what I need to use at the time. I'm currently sitting in the chat with a sketchbook, colored pencils, and markers. That's great. Figure out what works for you. And I think a lot of people here have home studios. I mean, does anybody here rent a studio? That's really the exception. And when I lived in Boston, they had these open studios events all across the city, and they were super fun to go to because you just go into a neighborhood, you walk into all these artist studios, really cool. But I go to these artist studios in like Fort Point in Boston. I mean, these studios were here. I'm like, how do these people afford this? I mean, in Boston, it's not cheap to have a studio down there. And I just could not conceive of how you would have the money to do that. I did have a studio that was like a five minute drive from my house when I lived in Boston for like couple months, but I didn't rent it or own it. I actually was just subletting it from somebody because they had the studio, but they weren't using it that much. So they were like, okay, I'll sublet this to you. And it was helpful because at the time I was working on these really big drawings were like seven feet tall and I needed the space. So that was great. But even though I, I was paying peanuts, okay, because 
I was subletting for her. I was paying for the whole thing. But even that, I was like, oh my God, with my kids, that, that's money I could be using for them. And I just never found it worth it financially. So it's the exception. I think most people do work at home in the studio. Angela says, I find colored pencil markers and Posca pens are great small mediums. I love markers, colored pencils. They're so easy to carry around when you're traveling. I've never used the Posca pens before. I know Deep Dee and Lauren are really big fans of that. I have to try it sometime. They look really rich. They look like they've got a lot of sumptuous color. <laughs> Sonnet says, how do you find out about those studio events in Boston? I'd love to go to one of those. I think most of the neighborhoods have it. So for example, there's like South End Open Studios, Jamaica Plain Open Studios, Waltham, Newton, Framingham. I mean, those are more in the suburbs. And I think there's like North Cambridge Open Studios. There's probably a webpage which lists them all. Fort Point is probably the biggest one, but they're super fun. If you ever have the chance, they're free too. I mean, you don't have to pay anything to get in there. So it's awesome. Anna Mary says, I'm looking for a good place to find reference photos besides Pinterest. Any ideas? Well, I think we got you covered <laughs> because uh, we have this free reference photo collection on Flickr that I know a lot of people use. And so if you go to our website, artprof.org, and you click on resources, it should be underneath artprof materials. It's on Flickr. Actually, the link is in the video description. I'm sorry, that's a lot easier. <laughs> so just go down, it just says free reference photo collection. Click on the Flickr link, it'll take you there. What's fun about our Flickr collection is it's so much stuff. It's, it's basically like Clara went to see a whale this weekend. So now you have whale pictures. <laughs> it's like very random that way. And I never thought it would be like that, but I started taking just these funky pictures. Like I found these snails <laughs> down the street. I'm like, I'm gonna take these pictures of the snails. And oftentimes I put them on Flickr. I'm like, no one's gonna use these. And then somebody uses them. So it just convinces me that it's, worth my time to put whatever I want on that Flickr page. In fact, I just got back from an art education conference where I was a keynote speaker. And so I was in Montana for a couple days and I didn't know this, but there are these amazing antique shops in Great Falls, Montana. And I'm not really a thrift store treasure hunter type of person, but it's so much fun at these antique stores. And so I'm walking around town with my camera. And so I asked all the antique, I'm like, hey, is it okay if I take photos in here? And I got some really cool photos, like weird stuff. <laughs> it's so bizarre. And again, I took those photos. I'm like, who's going to use this? But somebody will. That, that's what kept me going. Because if none of you used it, I wouldn't have kept building it. And it gets me excited. Like when I see, wow, somebody used my photo and made something. That's really, really exciting. And that's what eggs me on. That's what gives me that energy. When I see all of you learning, when I see you making things, it's just wonderful. So when you use our stuff, tell us, <laughs> because I know sometimes it's scary to like, you know, tell somebody something, but I love it. I never get tired of hearing how people are using our content. 
<sighs> yeah, I even took... <laughs> I took so many pictures of mannequins <laughs> because I went to all these clothing stores that were really cool. And some of the outfits were fine. I like went into these stores. I'm like, can I take pictures? They're like, of what? I'm like, the mannequins. <laughs> I'm like a total weirdo. But it's like, I don't want to be a creep and just start taking photos. So I never go in and not ask. But I don't know. It's like some of the antique shop owners, they were funny. They were like, well, why do you want to take photos? I'm like, uh, I'm an art teacher. And, and then once they said, once I say that, they're like, oh, it's fine. You know, I think they're just worried that I don't know, I'm going to make a billion dollars off of those photos or something. But I realize that if you just say I'm an art teacher, then they will shut up and be like, yeah, that's fine. Take pictures. <laughs> yeah. See, like Lisa used these pictures of these berries that I found when I was on this hike in Utah. And honestly, the berries, they didn't look that great, but I was like, ooh, these might be cool photos because, you know, red, green, complementary colors and all that atmospheric perspective. I couldn't resist. <laughs> Sonnet is asking, are there skulls in the reference photos? I'm sure there are plenty. There's one album with these animal bones that I found in the desert in Utah. And there's one that's just a basic skull, but they're not like interested. It's just like front, side, back. What I really should do when I go back to Boston is take my camera to the RISD Nature Lab because they have an absurd number of animal skulls in there. God, I could probably spend the whole year like photographing everything in there. But yeah, now what I do when I go out, like we just go for a hike or something, I just bring my camera and I have a great time. I love it. It's super relaxing and it keeps me busy because I'm the type of person I get a little bit agitated if I don't have something to do with my hands. And so having the camera and walking around is really fun. And sometimes you just have no idea what you're going to find because we were on this hike once and there were just all these I don't know if they, they weren't groundhogs. What were they? I can't remember what they're called, but they were all over the place. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Or like there was that one time I went to go shoot photos of this peacock that lives in this park that's near me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go take these peacock photos. But then there were like all these squirrels there. There were so many squirrels. I'm like, dude, I'm taking squirrel photos. <laughs> so it's like, you just never know where things are going to pop up that might be really fun. And I know not everybody has a DSLR camera. I'm lucky I do. And so I shoot them on my DSLR and the quality is really high resolution. Those of you who have been searching for images online, doesn't it just drive you crazy when you find a good photo, but then it's like the resolution's so low that you can't get what you need. And so that's the nice thing about our Flickr page is that it's all high resolution. Like the image is like 5,000 pixels. So I took these photos of these geese that were flying in Montana and they don't look that great in the photo right away. But if you zoom in, like you can actually see a lot of detail because it's such high resolution. So that's another thing. That's it, Phyllis. Prairie dogs. I knew it was something like that. I just completely forgot. <laughs> 
Swayama says, I can almost see a gouache painting in one of your airport photos after staring at it for a couple seconds. And that was wonderful, Prof Lu. I want to try it out now. Oh, you should do it. I love that you saw that. See, there's potential for everything. You just have to stop and notice. Manette says, I use the Animal Bones album for the digital track ongoing assignment. Ooh, I love that. Double art prop whammy. <laughs> it's so cool. That's terrific. And if you're doing the track, hang out with us in the Discord because there's a whole channel in the Discord that's just for people doing the track. And it's so nice because people help each other. Like sometimes people join the track obviously at different times. And so sometimes you have people who are on like week four and then somebody comes in and they're like, hey, I just started the track. And it's so cool because those people will actually say, oh, well, this is what really helped me when I was doing week two. And yes, this is normal for that to happen. It's great. It's like you're all teaching each other. Angela says, any tips for taking photos in public? There's lots of times I see cool stuff, but feel weird taking my camera out. Zoom lens. <laughs> that, that's the key. Because if you have a zoom lens, you can take photos of anything and people don't know you're doing it. So I know a zoom lens, is, it's not exactly the cheapest thing. But I've been in a lot of situations where I was able to take photos if I didn't have a zoom lens, I would have been a total creep because yeah, you have to be careful about that. Some people are really like genuinely freaked out by that, but that's helpful. Or sometimes you just wait till their back is turned, you know, <laughs> you just have to be a little bit sneaky about that. <laughs> Four more minutes till the raffle ends. So if you want to be entered, you better get in that super sticker, super chat, one-time donation, or become a Patreon supporter. And you can do that anytime. Does not have to be in three minutes. It can be anytime you want, but it would be nice for us to hit some of our goals. Lauren says, frustrating thing about photos is when the lighting and contrast is horrible. I'll find an amazing photo, but a lot of the form is hidden in shadow to the point where I can't even see the outline. Yeah, or sometimes you have a highlight, but it's like blown out. So you can't actually see the form. And some shadows and photos, they just look like flat black. And you know that if it was in real life, you, you really would see some suggestion of that form. <laughs> Justin's a photographer. The key to taking photos in public is having no shame. <laughs> I'm going to try that, Justin. I really like that. <laughs> this is great. Thank you, Luis, for your support. This is so wonderful. Although, <laughs> Lauren says, if it makes anyone feel better, every person I see with a camera is automatically the coolest. A, a like camera camera, not like a cell phone. Everybody's got a cell phone now. But yeah, I do feel kind of artsy fartsy walking around with my camera. <laughs> oh, wow. Are we really at 4,100 at the Patreon? Oh my gosh, I never thought I would ever see that number. That's incredible. Well, thank you, everybody. It's amazing to get the support because I had this crazy idea in 2014. And I'm always thinking, oh, is it going to work? Is it going to work? And I mean, that's where a lot of the stress comes from as far as the budget. But I look around, I'm like, we're still here. Okay. We're around. <laughs> that's the important thing. I don't know. Maybe it's just a matter of lowering your standards. I mean, my standards for parenting now, it's like, 
my kids are alive. They're good. <laughs> They're fine. So I really like that. Can we do it? Starving artists, five new Patreon supporters in three minutes. Oh, one minute now. <laughs> so we'll see. This is so cool to hang out, though. I wish I could do this more often, but I think I should try to clone myself first. I think that would be a lot easier. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Art Prof has a podcast. It's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And sorry, guys, no Discord chat tonight. I'm taking the day off tomorrow because I am wiped from all this raffle stuff. Thank you to our top Patreon supporters, and I'm hoping to update this slide tomorrow. Hope that that line on the right can fill in. Everybody, thank you so much for your support. You are all what keep us going and inspired and motivated, even though things are challenging and difficult. We're here for you. So everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.